Jason there didn't have time to edit all the video, so he just sent the raw footage. And uh, thank you, Mike Rado, for getting that all in there. But wow, your giving sprouting in Africa. Isn't that wonderful? To God be the glory. Thank you for your giving, your faithfulness to think outside of yourself. I'm sure we're all mature enough to know this isn't about us. It's about what God wants to do through us to touch other people's lives. So again, there's the amount we've raised this year, and we thank God for it. This morning, if you want to be a part of our giving, you can. Online, you can hit the giving button, or here you can use a, a giving envelope, and you can put those, those envelopes in our giving boxes on your way out. We'd love for you to be a participant in giving, and also just if you want to connect with our church, if you want to connect with the giving that's taking place here, you can hit the connect button, and we'll be sure to connect with you. Or if you're here looking for a church, you could use our connect card and put those in the uh, boxes as well. Just uh, mentioned to you already, coming up uh, in March, we have our annual uh, church council. We uh, think of it more than just a business meeting. It's a time to gather together and, and rejoice. And you can be a part of that, just even if you're a member or not a member. We like to vote. You do need to be a member. And uh, we're beginning to look at our process of finding leadership council members. And uh, so if you're interested in that process, let me know. Get you uh, your information, but uh, we're looking forward to this time. But if you want to be a member, we are having a class coming up next Sunday after church or Wednesday. I know maybe Sunday may not work for you, but Wednesday may be a better day for you, and we'll, we'll have that. So sign up for that class, and we're ready for you either next Sunday or next Wednesday. Well, Pastor Heather did a wonderful job preaching last week. It was really good. She did a, a story of David, and I'm glad she picked David, and I kind of encouraged her to, to pick David because I, didn't, I wasn't going to really focus in on David and Solomon because that was two kings that I felt like we were very familiar with, and I really wanted to hit some of the kings that maybe we weren't as familiar with. So, of course, I'm going to go right over Solomon now, and I'm going to hit his son, Rehoboam, and we're going to hit his story. Let me give you the background to what's taking place in this story. As I mentioned, Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. And David had spent quite a bit of time battling, going to war, taking on nations to conquer and to build up the nation of Israel. And so by the time Solomon came in to rule, the kingdom had been established. The sword had brought the, king, the mighty nation of Israel to the forefront of the world. Now it was Solomon to put the sword down but lift up the hammer and start to build up the capital city. And it took money and it took work. And it took a lot of money and it took a lot of work. So that meant lots of taxes. And, and even though they weren't fighting in wars, they were fighting to build and going through a lot of work. And they were exhausted. And so here comes Rehoboam and his reign. And the people have a huge problem. They're tired. They want a break. So they come to Rehoboam with this idea saying, hey, Rehoboam, we need a break. We've been working hard. Your grandfather worked us on the battlefield. Your father worked us hard on the construction field. Now we just need to enjoy our fields and sit back and relax. And in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 12, this is Rehoboam's response to their request. Verse 12 says, three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's decision, just as the king had ordered. 
But Rehoboam spoke harshly to the people, for he rejected the advice of the older counselors and followed the counsel of his younger advisors. He told the people, My father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So the king paid no attention to the people. This turn of events was the will of the Lord for it fulfilled the Lord's message to Jeroboam, son of Nabat, through the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh. So here's Rehoboam beginning his reign. And he does a good thing. He listens to the people. Okay, you can come listen. And then he does another good thing. He said, hey, I need to get some counsel. So I'm going to bring in my father's counselor, those people, those wise, those mature individuals that have been with my dad, that have been through the building, and maybe have been through the fighting. And he brings them alongside, and he said, hey, this is what the people are saying. What do you think? And of course, the men of wisdom, the men that have lived long and have been through life, they understood that people need a break. They understood you can't keep making withdrawals without making a deposit. They had been through life. They've been through relationships. They've been through marriage. They've been through parenting. They've been through all sorts of circumstances that have taught them the important things of life. And they began to share with, with uh, Rehoboam this information, this knowledge. And it's very interesting that, uh, you know, some thoughts have come to mind in that. And let's just stay there just, just for a moment because it was good wisdom that these mature men had given to them. It was good. I, I remember preaching a sermon a while ago, a while ago. I don't think it was here. But it was, give what you need. Give what you need. And that's what these older counselors were saying to Rehoboam. I know what you want. You want a big kingdom. You want to build up your kingdom. You want to take what your father did, and you want to build on that. And, and here's the point. Give what you need. You want help to build a greater kingdom? Then you better give help. So many times in our life we are frustrated, or we, we get upset, or we get angry, because we're trying to get something from somebody, whether it's in a relationship, or in a job, or in life, and we're trying to get that something from someone. And I want to free you up today. I want to relax you. I want to give you the peace of God and tell you this is the solution. Give what you need. Are you needing a break? Give somebody else a break. Are you needing love and attention? Give somebody else love and attention. Are you needing finances in your life? You have a financial situation? Give that. And these aren't formulas. These are, it's a relationship that we have with God Almighty through His Word. And that's how God works. That's how this works in life. You've got to give what you need. I love this idea, and it's, a, it's an old thing that we've heard many times, but be the change that you want. You want to see change in America? Then be that change. You want to see change in the workplace? Then be that change. You want to see change in your neighborhoods? Then be that got to give what you need. And these wise men were trying to help Rehoboam. Hey, I know what you want, but this is how you get there. And of course, I think these men were also telling them, giving them the lesson about, and I preached this uh, last year about checking your gauges. We need to check the gauges. You need to listen. You need to listen to what's being said to you. You can't ignore it. 
You can't pretend that you know it all. I pray I'm, I'm never in that position. And keep me from it. Keep me from the position that says, I've got this figured out, guys. I've been here 10 years now. I've got it. I've got it. I know what we need to do. I know exactly how we're going to approach the situation. We've got to be people who are always checking the gauge and say, you know what? Maybe I don't know what's going on. I need to check the gauges. I love the, the book of Proverbs. You know, it's the book of wisdom. But as it opens up in those first few chapters, it makes wisdom a person. And wisdom becomes this person that's out in the streets and it's calling out to people. Wisdom is saying, hey, you need to do this. And wisdom is saying, hey, don't do that. And I found that to be so true in life, that wisdom is just usually calling out to me. It's begging me. It's saying, hey, don't go over there. Don't do that. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, go do that. You need to be a help. You need to be a voice of peace. You need to get involved in that argument over there because you can be the, the soft answer. Sometimes you just need to check the gauges. You need to listen to the voices. Listen to what they're saying. They're not just saying they need a break. They're saying they're tired. They're exhausted. We can't just take people's words at face value. We have to say, okay, God, give me insight. Give me discernment. What are they saying to me? I need to pay attention to those things. What wisdom. What, what godly conduct that these great men, these counselors, were giving to Rehoboam. But what did Rehoboam do? He ignored them. He said, I don't really like what you're saying. I don't really, I'm not lining up with what you're sharing with me. So he brought in his friends, the guys he grew up with, the guys that he had partied with. You read the, the life of Solomon, you understand it was party after party. They had enjoyed the pleasures of the, the spoils of war that their grandfather David had gained for them. And so they partied. And so their friends were like, well, we've got to keep this party going. We've got to keep bringing it in for us. You tell them, you know, if, my, if, your, if your father made you work, we're going to make you work harder. If he, if he gave you some whips, we're going to give you scorpions. You don't let up. You keep the pedal to the metal. Rehoboam, you've got to keep this going. And so he rejected the king of, uh, he rejected the counsel of the older. He accepted the counsel of his friends. Wow, when you read those verses, what a blast. What a selfish individual. Somebody was just focused on his life. He was just focused on what he wanted. And he was trying to build something up and he, he wanted it something for him. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this analogy, but there is a sea in the biblical times called the Dead Sea. And it's still there today. And the reason why it's a Dead Sea is because it has no outlet. It's just taking in water, but it's not giving anything. If you want to bring death into your life, then just keep taking Keep receiving for yourself with the idea of never, never interested in giving, of having outlets. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here today, and I'm grateful that you're here. But may God continue to bless you and encourage you, and may you be a blessing to others, and may God increase your giving, and may God increase your awareness of those around you. May we look for more outlets 
I don't want to be a dead sea. I don't want to just take it in all for myself, but I want to be somebody who's ready to give. And I understand that from God's word, but Rehoboam doesn't understand that. He was building, he's trying to build up his kingdom. And look what happened to it. First uh, Kings chapter 12, verse 16 says, When all Israel realized that the king had refused to listen to them, they responded, down with the dynasty of David. We have no interest in the son of Jesse. Back to your homes, O Israel. Look out for your own house, O David. The Bible says that God will not be mocked, and man will reap what he sows. Rehoboam was sowing selfishness. What did Rehoboam receive? Rehoboam was, self, was, was sowing uh, himself and to himself that, that evil and that selfish and that, that, just pers- that personality that says, it's, it's all about me and I'm not interested in what you need was turned on him in that very verse. Rehoboam lost the ability to value. That's a dangerous place to be in. He no longer had the ability to weigh what was important and what wasn't important. He lost the ability to value. The Bible said that in his time, in his father's time, which included Rehoboam's growing up, that silver had become like dirt. And so you can see the problem, you know, if, if silver is just like dirt, well, you lose that ability to value things. You're no longer grateful for certain things. You have all of this stuff given to you over and over again, and you lose the ability to be grateful, and you lose the ability to value people. Rehoboam no longer valued people. He no longer valued what they had to say. He only valued himself. Proverbs 11.24 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Paul told the Romans, do not follow the patterns of this world. This, in this scripture verse, we see a pattern in this world today. Why is there so much debt? I haven't done a study yet on this. I knew we were like $16 trillion in debt. I saw something like $30 trillion in debt. You know, we're, we're in debt as a nation. Trillions and trillions of dollars in debt and what is the problem? We see it here in Proverbs eleven twenty four. It's this pattern of this world that we're withholding for ourselves that we want the greatest company and we want the greatest vision and we want the greatest buildings and we're great. We're a great nation and we have the power and we have the money and we're going we're gonna to show this world how great we are. But you and I know that it is every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. We know that it is Him who, God Almighty, who gives us the ability to to make wealth and produce wealth. It's not in ourselves. It's not in our power. It's not in our formulas. It's not in our education. But it is in the Word of God. It's in following the Lord of glory and putting Him first in our lives. It is when a person gives freely. And we have learned that from Jesus Christ, our Lord, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And in that giving, He sowed in giving. And because of that giving, guess what? We reap eternal life because blessed are those who believe and will not 
perish, but have everlasting life because of the giving God has given to us. And so now you and I, we follow that. We live it. We breathe it. We study it. We read it. We are believing God to use our giving so that people can be blessed. What a powerful scripture verse. One person gives freely. I pray you're that one person. I pray you're that one person. That's all it takes. I don't care if every other person at your workplace is taking and every other person is trying to climb the ladder. You be that one person. Be the one person who's the giver. Be the one person who has a kind word. Be the one person who's smiling. Be the one person who's ready to help, ready to set their agenda aside to be a blessing, ready to be a team player, ready to be a giver. You be pray this morning that you're encouraged from God's Word. I, I pray as you read the story of Rehoboam that again, you look at somebody and say, God, I don't want to ever be like that. I don't want to ever sit there and listen. He is listening to people share their pain. He is listening with his ears how people for decades have worked and worked and they just want to be good listeners. I was sharing with uh, Pastor Mark yesterday, there was a, a marriage uh, request that came in, and and, uh, and so I was sharing with him about, you know, I couldn't do it, but that he could do it, and I, we started talking about premarital counseling, and I said, oh yeah, I, I started giving him some of my worksheets, and I said, when I go over communication, I've added this worksheet, because when we talk about communication, we're really good about talking. But what we're not really good at is listening. We need to be better listeners. We need to be slow to speak, the Bible, James told us, to be slow to speak and become good listeners. Listen to what people are telling you. Listen to what people are saying to you. And yes, a part of listening is not just taking it at face value, but asking God, what does that mean? And not having a negative tone right away or not having a negative, uh, you know, evaluation right away. But, Lord, what are they saying to me? I, I don't like what they're saying, but I've got to listen. Help me to be a better listener. So when we look at Rehoboam, I pray today that you're, you're challenged, you're motivated. I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be that selfish. I'm going to be a good listener. I'm going to give what I need. I'm going to be somebody who looks at the other person's need and says, I find greater value in giving because I have somebody who takes care of me. And that's the point. We let God take care of you. God has called us to take care of others. And when you do that, God takes care of us. He watches over us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't have to worry about me. I just have to worry about me. I let God take care of me. And when we live that life, we're not going to destroy our kingdom, but we're going to build it up. So there was a lot of practical information that Rehoboam just gave us that he was not following. I pray that you will follow. But I want to end this morning with a bigger problem. It's a spiritual problem. Go back to verse 15. Verse 15 says, So the king paid no attention to the people. This turn of events was the will of the Lord, for it fulfilled the Lord's message to Jeroboam, son of Nabat, through the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh. You know, I mentioned the, three, the trillions of dollars in debt and share that scripture verse, and somebody might say, oh, well, if America just starts giving, 
then then we'll solve this problem. Well, we've been doing a lot of good. We've been giving a lot around the world. The problem is it's a spiritual problem. It goes beyond the practical, and it goes right into the spiritual. Rehoboam was set on a course for destruction. He was set on a course of destruction. It was that phrase of the point of no return. Rehoboam was put on a path, and there was no turning for him. He was put there. There was a spiritual thing that took place. David had sinned against God by having a, committing adultery with Bathsheba. And there was, if you look at the life of David, there were some things that he went silent on. And there was sin that came, and there was consequences for that sin. And here came Solomon, the wisest man, the wisest man in all the world. And he spoke that just this morning, my reading uh, was about from Proverbs 7 on how, how, how sexual sin will come and, and attack a young man. Solomon wrote that. And yet Solomon could not even follow his own advice because he allowed women women and more women to come into his life. And the Bible said those women led him astray. There was a spiritual problem that was being passed on from David to Solomon. And now Rehoboam was set on a course of destruction. And we see this in Exodus 20, verse 5. I have some bad news, but we're going to end with good news. Exodus 20, verse 5 says, you must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Before we think about our actions, we better think about not just ourselves, but how that infects other people. What we do impacts other people. Our decision is not just a decision for my life. Our decision is a decision for the lives of those around us. It impacts all of us. There are spiritual consequences to our decisions. Rehoboam was a product of his environment. He was a product of his environment. I've shared this before. It's a sad reality, sad statistic. It continues to get worse, but over 80% of inmates right now had a father who was an inmate at one time in their life. It's a serious issue that's being passed on and it's being carried on from generation to generation. And it's not just with people in prison. There was a prominent athlete who had a beautiful family, but he destroyed that family through many extramarital affairs. But one of the sad parts of his story that was revealed, his father also was involved in extramarital affairs. And it was revealed through his life that he, at one time in his life, was devastated because he was, he was witness to what his father was doing, and he was so devastated by that. And his story is one story I have heard many times in my over 20 years of ministry. I have talked to young men, and, and I've heard them say, my dad is this. I never want to become that. I never want to do that to my family. And I have counseled those same people. They've been in my home, and they say, guess what? I, I, I have to leave my family. I'm, I'm doing the very thing that my dad did. And I reminded them of their words. 
she said, you telling me, you were uh, about 10 years ago telling me you didn't want to do what your dad did to you, but now you're going to do that to your children. There's a spiritual consequence to our decisions, and it is bad. If there is a disease this world needs to fear, it is sin. Because it's deadly and it's contagious and there's no little rules that keep you safe from it. It's passed on. It's a deadly curse that is passed on. And we need to understand these things. We need to understand what has happened in our life, in our history. I am one that when I have time with my mom and dad, I ask them questions. I want to know more. I want to know more about their life. I want to know more about my grandparents. I want to know where I've come from. I want to know. And it's good and it's bad, but I want to know it all. I want to know where I come. And I've shared before, I had a grandfather who was a drunk and a womanizer. And I'm grateful that my, my uncle and my three aunts did not do that in their families. But I had plenty of cousins that did. We celebrated last uh, Sunday with my brother five years of sobriety. Over 30 years, he was an alcoholic. Sometimes it passes over, but it keeps going. It keeps going. And I want to know. I want to know these things because I want to pray and I want to believe. And this is the point. Here is the good news. Because we are. Because Rehoboam was somebody who was living in the Old Testament. He was set on a course of destruction. And there was no amount of sacrifices that a sheep could cleanse him. Or purifying. But Jesus Christ, today we can rejoice in the Lord. We can rejoice in His goodness. We can find hope and we can find strength and we can find a solution to these problems in Christ alone. And I love it in Exodus 20. Listen to this, Exodus 20, going back to that bad news. Here's the good news from Exodus 26. God says, But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. It's always God's desire to bless and not curse. It's always God's plan to help us and not hurt us. It's always God's plan to give us hope and a future. He wants to lift us up. He wants to encourage us. He wants to help us. Only God can. I'm so grateful. I love the scripture verse that says, where sin abounds, grace abounds greater. Sin is powerful. It can go to the third and fourth generation. It can devastate us. It will, de- it will devastate you. It will devastate your children. It will devastate your grandchildren. Sin is powerful. It has that effect in our lives. But what I read here is that the grace of God is more powerful. What I read here is that the love of God is greater. What I read here is that the truth of God that I can put into my heart every day of my life will give me the power to overcome sin. So not only is it a blessing to the third and fourth generation, but it goes on for a thousand generations. I want to be that. And so here it is. We can put an end to the curse, and we can start a blessing. We can put an end to the curse, and we can start a blessing. You know, my mother has shared, I've, I've asked this story many times. I've talked to my mom about this story. We've talked about this story many times. Her, her father was an alcoholic. caused her grief beyond measure as a child. She hated her father for it. But when my mom came old enough to start dating, she started dating an alcoholic. And she got engaged to this man who was an alcoholic. 
He was set on a course. And it's, it's, sin is ridiculous, obviously. I hope you understand that. It is ridiculous that I shared before how, how can a young kid be in such pain over his father, and yet he does the same thing. It's the scripture verse that says, a dog returning to its vomit. But that is what sin is. That's what sin does. And that is all around us. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that my mother was so in pain and so hurt by her father, and yet she was marrying into it. Until one day, she goes to a Billy Graham concert. And it had been years. She had a wonderful grandmother that took her to church. She knew. She knew the songs. She was just rebelling. Obviously, she didn't have parents at that time that were taking her to church, but she had a grandmother that took her to church. Grandparents keep bringing their grandkids to church. Aunts, uncles, bring them, bring them. It's a story that needs to be, that's been told so many times. I had a grandmother. I had somebody to bring me to church. You keep bringing them. Keep bringing your children. Let them build that foundation. They need to be set on a course to give them hope, to give them a future, give them a chance. And it's only in God. Thanks be to God to a grandmother who did that. And finally, one day, my mother, all those years, she had rejected God, but finally that day came at a Billy Graham crusade, and she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She was still engaged, but she started going to church. She started changing. She started doing, she started living life differently. And then she met a good-looking guy. She knew, and she broke off that engagement. She married a godly man. Now today, in all my life, I never worried about my dad going through this kind of alcoholism. Never worried about my dad wasting money on being an alcoholic. I never worried about that. My mother stopped the curse, and she started a blessing—a blessing in my life, a blessing that I received, a blessing that finally. Because I did share my brother, even in high school, as an alcoholic. But something happened in me that when I saw my brother causing the pain in my mother's life, when I, it finally clicked, wait, sin equals pain. If I get rid of sin, there will be no more pain. And so for me, I said, I never want to drink. I never did. And I never have. Because I saw what it did to my brother. It finally clicked for me. I know sin sin became ridiculous to me. Sin became horrible to me. Sin became vomit to me. Sin became those things that I never wanted because I saw what it did in my family, and I never wanted it. And so I started a blessing in my life. Glory be to God. And I'm teaching Alexandra that, and I'm going to put her on a course. I'm going to put her on a course of blessing. I'm going to set her up to succeed. I'm going to set her up to know the God Almighty. I'm going to set her up to know the Word of the Lord. I'm going to set her up to live a life pleasing to God. And yes, it is still up to her to live that way. But at least I'm going to put her on that course. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I want to do that in my life. I want you to do that in your life. I hope you're ready today to say, God, King me, King me, Jesus. More of you, Lord. More of your word. More of your love. More of your presence in my life. Because I want to start a blessing in other lives. I want to start a blessing in my children. I want to start a blessing in my family. I want to start a blessing in my school. I want to start a blessing in my job. Oh, God, I pray. Let me be 
the Bible has declared, you are peacemakers. You make blessings. Those things that have been broken, you have been given the power to fix. The curses, curses break, break up families, break up hearts, break up bodies, break up minds. They break up things. But the blessings of God, the Spirit of God that abides in us, gives us the power to fix them, make them whole again. And I want you to be blessed today. I want you to go from this place just being blessed by the Spirit of God. Would you stand this morning? We're going to sing a song of blessing. And I just pray you'll open up your heart, open up your life, receive from God, receive from Him online, receive from the Lord, sing it with us with great joy and anticipation of what God will do.